Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to The Athletic MBA Show. Monday through on The Athletic Podcast Network. From the Golden Gate to the New York Bay. What I have access to is a bit different than the public. Tamper with you. Welcome to Tampering. We're this beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. Sam and Anthony Slater uh-huh. and Fred Katz. Uh-huh. To be able to bring uh-huh. people together. Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation into tampering accusations. And the message to executives in the league is not talking about players on other teams. What did I do? The charges filed. Impermissible contact. Right or wrong? Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. <laughs> awkward to even talk about. I can't even mention teams anymore. Actually, what I like to play with Kevin Durant. The trial you want with tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. It's not rocket science. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what Here's your host, Sam Amick. Hello and welcome to the Tampering Podcast, part of the Athletic NBA Show Network. I'm Sam Amick, NBA National Writer at The Athletic. Here, as always, with with one of our two usual suspects, Anthony Slater, is out west. But we got another dude on the show who we always love having on, the great Will Guillory coming out of New Orleans. What's up, my friend? How are you? I'm doing well, man. I appreciate y'all for having me on. I always enjoy podding with two of my favorite guys at The Athletic. Uh, and Schlecht, I'll throw you in there, too. That that makes three <laughs> of my favorite guys at The Athletic. So this is going to be a fun one for me. Appreciate you, man. Super producer Andrew Schlecht is uh, is behind the scenes, as always, at piano practice, uh, being a good dad like he tends to be. Uh, so today's show, guys, we are deep into the regular season. You know, the games are real. The action is real. Will, we're going to get into this. Your Pelicans, we are all ready to talk about the 3-0 and Pelicans who look like world beaters and title contenders, and that might ultimately prove to be the case. But, but you know, next thing you know, we're talking injury reports and losses, and, and so we are going to dissect Will Guillory's New Orleans Pelicans, not Zion Williamson's, not Brandon Ingram's. These are Will Guillory's Pelicans. But also Slater, uh, at your behest, and, and also Mr. Schlecht, we want to go around the league and basically have, you know, kind of the question of do, do we believe what we are seeing as it relates to a number of surprising storylines? Uh, the ones that I'm locked in on to give you a quick sneak preview the Jazz, 3 and 0, the Sixers, 0 and 3, the Blazers, 3 and 0. The Celtics 3-0, the Lakers 0-3. You can see a trend here. It's it's uh, both ends of the spectrum in terms of surprises, and so we're going to dive into that. But gentlemen, uh, like I said, always good to be here with you. And Will, you know, we have seen your Pelicans, you know, go from the Anthony Davis trade to the rebuild to, you know, hey, they got Zion, he's going to save the day. Hey, he's not going to save the day because he can't be healthy. Uh, and, and then preseason, early season, you know, the Zion hype was real and and well-deserved. Uh, they now sit here at 2-1, and one, but why don't we jump into the latest because, you know, we do unfortunately got some injuries, got some setbacks for your group. We got Ingram with a concussion. We got Zion falling on his backside when Jordan Clarkson blocked his dunk attempt, uh, you know, in, in yesterday's game, uh, you know, start there. How, how serious, how concerning are these injuries and, and what do you say of, about your pills? Yeah, it's unfortunate. You know, I thought I was in a brand new world. I thought I was going to be living that Slater life where I was just riding high. I'm going to the arena and watching wins every game. Working until June. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. starting my story I, I in the fourth a 15, quarter. I 50 pandemic season. It's not all <laughs> glorious. All right. But yeah, man, after those first two games, it looked like the Pels were on their way to being, you know, one of the, the big jumpers in the West, a team that was going to be a real threat. And, and like you said, maybe they still will be. But now we're right back to, you know, checking the injury report with this team. Uh, and and uh, the Pels announced not too long ago before we started recording that uh, Brandon Ingram has been diagnosed with a concussion. Uh, he's in concussion protocol. We know what those things is very unpredictable. Could be a couple days, might be a couple weeks. It just depends on how he responds uh, to the testing. It was unfortunate because it was, it was friendly fire. He got hit by his own teammate, Najee Marshall. In the face, they were trying to make a steal on a long pass, 
and just kind of collided. Uh, so we'll see what happens with B.I. I would doubt he's going to play in tomorrow's game against Dallas. Uh, probably doubt he's going to play in the next game against Phoenix as well. And I think we'll probably just see where it goes from there. As far as uh, Zion, I think it's a little more optimistic what happened with him. I think it wasn't a back issue. It wasn't tailbone. The, t- the two things you kind of listen for when a guy makes a hard fall the way Zion did uh, going up for that dunk. And uh, it's a posterior hip contusion. I, I was kind of confused listening to that because I was trying to figure out where exactly is your posterior hip. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I guess we can roll with it. Uh, it's just a, a bruise that he's got to do. And I think it's more of like a pain tolerance thing. For Z, so uh, I think he might just miss you one. You didn't get that, games. that that doctorate, huh? Will you're not? Nah, I'm, I'm not a big hip, anatomy you know? guy, so yeah, right. maybe right. you guys know better than me. But yeah, I think Z will be fine. He tried to get back in the game last night. Uh, I think the Pels just wanted to play as smart with him. Uh, and another one to watch out for is Herb Jones as well. He yep. went down with a knee injury. It looked scary when he went down. He kind of popped right back up. Uh, they did some imaging on his knee, I believe, this morning, and and they said there was no structural damage. So that's another one to keep an eye on so yeah i'm back checking the injury report i'm not i'm not living a slater life anymore uh hopefully i can get there one day i mean i was doing injury report this morning but it's on like dante divincenzo you know like they're <laughs> i mean they're slater did get man. through you know clay thompson's two you know season ending season costing injuries you know they've been through a few things but oh, let's this, this is not that, the fun that, part those are the three like most important players probably right that, that oh yeah. The thing. <laughs> yeah yeah but these are short-term things right I, that's Very. what i'm also hearing so let's go macro a little bit will and, and slater um you know we don't have to take all the fun out of the pelicans discussion because yeah they dropped to utah but i mean these days who's not falling to the jazz you know what i mean that's just what happens these juggernaut jazz sam you got to remember though this is a very dangerous time of year for us where we do the podcast like an hour before the night's game slate starts and people hear it utah's got houston tonight i'm not saying they're going to be like you know you always got to be dangerous this time of year no that's fine small sam we, we can temper the jazz conversation but but i do think we you know the idea of the pelicans being you know, worthy of talking about all year long is not going to go away. Uh, and the, the stuff that I wanted to get your thoughts on, Will, are this to me very quickly and almost instantly has become one of those teams that's going to be real interesting to watch from a chemistry standpoint, from a there's only one ball standpoint. Um, you know, and I've seen, I think it was B.I. and Zion talk about how they are willing to sacrifice on this team. You know, C.J. McCollum, obviously, leadership-wise, has has been a really good fit out there. But but let me throw it to you and, and start on the offensive end because I was you know, trying to, to dive into their numbers a little bit this morning. And granted, again, three games, small sample size. But you know, offensively, uh, not a real surprise that you've got the three main guys averaging around the same between 22, 23 points a game. But B.I. Is, is getting less than 13 shots a game and, and the other two taking about 19. Just what are you seeing so far when they were out there together about you know the idea of, of these incredibly talented dudes making it work as a unit? Yeah, I think the B.I. numbers dropped a little bit just because he went out in the first quarter last night. You know, the yep. first two games of the season, he was, you know, 28 a game, nine rebounds, seven assists, somewhere around there. So he was putting up huge numbers in the first two games of the season. And I think uh, you saw those three guys, uh, Brandon Ingram, Zion and C.J. McCollum, fitting together really well. I-, I thought they were creating efficient shots for themselves. I think uh, especially after the Brooklyn game, C.J. talked about how easy it was for him. We're used to watching C.J., you know, put it between his legs a million times running pick and roll hitting those tough fadeaway jumpers and in the Brooklyn game he was just catching open three-pointers and just knocking them down it was just uh just much different life than he was used to living in Portland uh so I think that's the one thing that they've done a really good job with this team is just uh putting personalities in the locker room all of these guys fit all of these guys enjoy being together they they know how to play together even though they haven't been around each other that much so I, I think that's less of a concern. I think you saw more of the concern last night, uh, even before the injuries, where defensively they could be a little bit up and down. Uh, they depend on a lot of big guys. Uh, They're 14th so start- in the league so far. Again, I'm just throwing you know small yeah. sample size numbers, but 14th so far. For sure. And I think in certain matchups you're going to see, uh, like Utah, we'll get to Utah, but they can spread the floor out with five guys, and that can make life difficult for a Jonas Valanciunas or a Zion on certain nights, or a Billy Hernan Gomez, guys they really want to play. Uh, but the, the the thing that's really stood out to me these first couple games before the injuries kicked in was just how physically dominant the Pels are. Between Valanchunas, 
Zion and even Brandon Ingram as a three man, uh, they're just bigger than everybody else. You saw against Brooklyn, uh, the size advantage was incredible. The way they were hitting the boards, scoring in the paint, it, it was like big brother, little brother out there, especially when Zion and JV are out there together. They're just playing volleyball on the backboard together, just bouncing, you know, all of these tipping, tipping layups. And on certain nights, it's just going to be really difficult for some of these teams who want to play small, who want to play fast. When you got to deal with Zion and Jonas Valanciunas on the other end, uh, it's a really interesting way they've built out this roster that's kind of opposite of what you would think in the modern NBA, uh, where everybody wants to shoot threes, everybody wants to get stretched bigs. The Pels are going the opposite way. They want to pound you on the inside. They want to post up a million times, and they feel like they have enough athletes to, to play your style but also force you to play their style. Uh, so I think that they feel really good about where they are, you know, once all of these guys get healthy, and they just got the depth to, to, to last, and I think it'll be tested, you know, with these guys on the injury report now. I was uh, I was searching lineups last night because the you know the thing going on with the Warriors right now is their starting lineup is just like dominating teams and their backups or anytime they put a bench player in they're losing uh, and you know they're plus forty three but I was you know looking at league wide lineups where that ranked it was one but two was the Pelicans you know it is that lineup you're talking about the the second best lineup so far which is Jonas Zion uh, Ingram Herb Jones and McCollum um, I what you I mean, you kind of laid out the best case scenario for that team, right? They just physically bruise you with those two bigs. And, you know, you do got scores, mid-range shooters can stretch it out to three. I do wonder over the course of a season as they do face these different teams, like what style is difficult for them, especially, you know, they're, the, they have two Warriors games coming up, and I would love to see the Warriors small ball going against them, Draymond at center. But the problem is both are in New Orleans on the second night of a back-to-back, and I kind of think the veterans are going to rest for the Warriors. <laughs> but I'm just like, it, again, we're dealing with such small sample sizes. But were you concerned going into the season? Like Zion and Jonas seem like that might be a tough front court fit. And then the fact that Zion's going to be handling the ball a lot more than Ingram and McCollum were used to when they had that like, you know, great playoff run last year. Like, do you, are, are you already like, okay, this seems like it's being ironed out better than I thought or, or where are you at on that? Yeah, I think the, the 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 good thing for this team is they're not as dependent on the top five as we've seen some Pels teams in the past. They feel really good about putting Larry Nance at five when it when it comes time to play against some of these teams where you're, you're better off switching. Uh, I think they have guys like Trey Murphy on the bench, Najee Marshall, who they feel good playing against some of these perimeter lineups where they can guard uh, multiple positions. Of, of, you could throw Jose Alvarado in there as well as a guy who can be a pesky, you know, guy who can chase around the Steph Curry's of the world. So I, I think they feel really good about their bench and the way they can kind of offset uh, some of their weaknesses because there's no doubt JV is a really good center. He's very effective in certain matchups, but uh, there's certain nights where he just can't be out there, where the teams are just going to attack him over and over again and pick and roll. So I think the Larry Nances of the world, the Jackson Hayes of the world are going to be really important for this team. But uh, ultimately, I think it's really just going to come down to Zion Williamson because you can go small, you can go big, whatever. But if Zion's going to be a target, that's going to be the big issue for this team. And I think you saw some of that last night where they were attacking Zion a lot in pick and roll with Jordan Clarkson and Kelly Olynyk uh, popping out to that three-point line. And, you know, it's still very early for Z. You know, he's coming back from a long absence. He's still getting his rhythm. So I think he's going to be better defensively. I think he's already been better defensively than we saw last time in 2020-21. So I think he's showing some improvement, but he's still got some room to grow uh, with just moving his feet to stay in front of those smaller guys and just being in the right place at the right time. But I do think uh, some of the guys they bring off the bench can kind of – kind of not completely eliminate, but at least shorten some of the concerns uh, about playing JV at center because they really like Larry Nance. Uh, Larry Nance had a really good game last night, and they feel like him as a closing five and some of these switch-all lineups is going to be big for them. Will, to your point, uh, this is a perfect segue. I I had a note here I was going to share. My favorite comment that was in your latest piece on The Athletic, <laughs> when you, you're breaking things down from last night, and there's a comment from a reader that says, Williams writing, that's you, Williams writing equals good, Zion's defense equals bad, Jazz uniforms <laughs> equal awful. So I thought that was yeah. all very much on point, um, but but let's dive in. That wasn't in. even the worst Jazz uniform, those like light, uh, lifesaver ones that they wear. With, oh, that's true. Doing those this year, where they think they're the Phoenix yeah. Suns. They're yeah. horrible. Are we, are we transferring person, over? Horrible. Are we transferring over to? Uh, talk We're about transferring the Jazz? to Zion. 
Not not quite yet. I, I need a few thoughts on Zion because it's going to be, you know, it's it's not the year of Zion. There's a lot of other storylines and players, but he's on that short list. And okay, you know, he he got the the posterior hip contusion, and we still don't know what that is. But but independent of that, will just early thoughts on Zion from the that the standpoint of you have written at length and very well about his journey to this point. And part of that was, you know, him being dedicated uh, at the level that it appears he was this previous offseason where he sheds weight and and he takes it, you know, as serious as he needs to. And then it seems like five minutes ago that, that we were having this discussion and there was that narrative about, oh, his family doesn't want him to be in New Orleans and questions about his future. Well, you know, it's amazing once the basketball improves how that noise certainly quiets down. Uh, but, but now as we go into this campaign and you've gotten a chance – to see him when he was healthy, uh, you know, just what do you think of of his arc and where he's headed? Yeah, like you mentioned, just him being in better shape, I think is going to be huge for him in his career. Specifically, what we talked about earlier, just defensively being able to move better, being less of a target in pick and roll situations, I think that's going to be big for him. Being able to play longer, you know, 30, 35, 40 minutes in some of these games uh, without issue, uh, I think that's a big step for him. Uh, but also the funny thing, if you look at the numbers, he's been really good. He's putting up big numbers. He had uh, like 25 last night before he got hurt. But just watching him, I feel like he still hasn't been as good as we've seen in the past just because he's not making a lot of the shots at the rim that we're used to seeing. I think he's around like 61% uh, in the restricted area so far this year. During right. uh, his all-star season, he was closer to like 67%. So I think he's still got some room to grow in that area. I think he's still uh, going to show more parts of his game as far as being comfortable taking jumpers. He still hasn't taken a shot outside of the paint. <laughs> yes, is that right? season, which is insane. Uh, wow. So I think it shows just his dominance when, like, he's like a B minus version of Zion, and he's still you, leading the do league. Do you think he's done? Area. Do you think he's done shooting three, shooting mid range? I mean, do you think that's going to be a season long, like, restricted area or nothing, basically? No, I think there's conversations I've had before the season. I think it's something he's worked on, in particular that mid range jumper. Uh, I think he's going to start adding that to this game. We've seen him hit threes in the past, so it's not like he's incapable of doing it. Uh, but I think it's just a comfort thing right now. He's still trying to feel his way out. He's one of those guys where uh, he's not going to come in and be like, all right, I need my 25 shots. You know, he tries to play within the floor of the game, which can be a blessing and a curse with Zion at times because you want him to take over and you want him to, you know, kind of be that guy. And, but I think ultimately, you know, we, what he does best is put pressure on your on opposing teams in the paint. And that's what he's done so far. So I, I think that's the, the big thing. And it's just about finishing now. He's just a lot of shots that are kind of going in and out. He's, he's not playing through contact as well. And that's just being away from the game as long as he has been. I think that's going to come back. Uh, but the fact that he's getting there as, I mean, he's, he's right, right now, I think at 44, uh, field goal attempts in the restricted area and the second best guy is Rudy Gobert at like 31 so like he's by far and away dominating uh, as far as just getting shots in the paint he's just got to finish them at a higher rate all right last one for me on the Pels just in terms of big picture projecting because this has been a, a, a debate I think going into the season some people I think everybody sees the Pelicans being part of the playoffs in some form or fashion but the question was top six playing, maybe top four, and then and then you would hear like people around the league saying this could be you know a Western Conference champion kind of sleeper type team. Um, uh, very 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 early here, but but in terms of talent and reading the room and what the potential might be here, where do you fall in that that debate? Yeah, I think they're. I mean, the West is you know just as tough as we thought it was going to be. Uh, there are a couple teams that are a little worse than we thought. A couple teams that were better than we thought. We'll talk about that later. But they're going to be in the mix. Though I mean, I've said it. You know, before the season started, and I'll continue to say it. With this team, it's one health. Are they going to stay healthy? And two, are they going to play defense? Uh, that's something that I, those two things I think are still question marks for this group. Uh, and of course, once we get down to playoff time, they're going against all of these other teams with much more playoff experience than them but ultimately it's about can they stay healthy and can they defend and I think those are two things that they're still working on I think defensively they look much better than I expected in the first two games uh, especially in Charlotte I thought they really locked in in that first half and you know Charlotte is a very limited roster so uh, that's the two and exactly... one Charlotte Hornets I don't know yeah, I, how about Mason this, I was later watching does Kenny Atkinson have you know the lefty jumper here? Mason Plumley? what uh, yeah exactly did you Sam did you see this I 
I was I watching. Not, no. I was actually with Nate Duncan in the Warriors press room watching uh, some of that Hornets Pelicans game, and Mason Plumley just shoots a left-handed like fifteen footer. He made it, but I was like, was that? One of, did he think that was after the whistle? He's, <laughs> one of he's shooting the, left-handed now? One of the ugliest shots you'll ever see in an NBA <laughs> game, I promise. It looks like a dude that just came off the street and just took a jumper with his with his wrong hand, which is, and he is shooting with his wrong hand, and it looks like he's shooting with his wrong hand. Uh, but, yeah, I think when this team is really locked in defensively, they can be really impressive because they've got Herb Jones. they got Jose Alvarado. You can mix in Trey Murphy, Larry Nance. They've got really good athletes who can defend. It's about, you know, when you're a young team there's inconsistency there there's certain nights i think last night they walked in they saw the utah jazz and they kind of felt like oh we're gonna beat these guys this is our home opener we're destroying people in our first two games we'll just kind of walk in and beat them and i think as a young team you got to learn those lessons because the nba is never going to be that easy especially early in the year with some of these teams who we're thinking are tanking they're not quite in tank mode just yet so you got to show up players are not that's what we've learned this week even the organization is the players are not Absolutely. That's a not, perfect so. pivot point, gentlemen. All right. We are now going to go into the uh the break, according to Mr. Schlecht, super producer. We're gonna take a quick break, and then on the back end of that, we're gonna talk believe or don't believe and, and go around the league. We will be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, guys. Do you believe? Do you not believe? Are you a believer? I don't know if, if Schlecht, are you going to go with like journeys? You know, believe? Are you going to go with share? Do you believe in life after love? I don't know what, what music you're going to pick for the background here, but this is the do you believe, do you not believe segment because the, the fun part of the early season is you have the small sample size means craziness, you know, surprises all over the place. And we're going to touch on both ends of the spectrum, teams that have been you know, woefully short of what we expected and teams that have been a whole lot better. We are going to start in Salt Lake City. The Utah Jazz were widely expected to be part of the Victor Wimbanyana sweepstakes, you know, post uh, Donovan Mitchell trade, post Rudy Gobert trade. That was the MO, or so we thought. The, the part that we did forget about that I think Slater alluded to on the other side of the break was, hey, guess what? players compete and the Jazz did not trade Jordan Clarkson. They did not trade Laurie Markinen. They did not trade Mike Conley. Uh, and lo and behold, Utah comes out and beats Denver by 19, beats Minnesota in overtime and beats Will Guillory's Pelicans in overtime. Uh, they got the sixth best offense right now, 10th best defense. Markinen, who has been so good that I finally have figured out how to spell his last name because I always put like too many N's and not enough K's, is averaging 24 points, 9.7 boards. Um, you know, Colin Sexton, also a dude I, I didn't mention playing pretty well. Malik Beasley. Uh, Did you, know, you see these guys Colin are Sexton on opening night against Denver, against Jokic down the stretch? They were like getting him like switched on, and like at one point he did he like uh, revved himself up like he was a bull before he like a vomit bull or something. That was yeah. amazing. I did not. Uh, see and that. you know he he yeah. closed against Jokic. I mean it's kind of a team. This is these are the teams that are always interesting when you start the season. We haven't even really thought too much about the roster, right? Because 
all the jazz conversations have been about the overarching like rebuild approach and Wimba right. and Yana and trading Gobert and uh, Donovan Mitchell. But then they're on the floor. You're like, man, these, these pieces kind of fit, right? You got Malik Beasley, the shooter. Marketing is kind of like the versatile wing. Kelly Olynyk stretching the floor. Colin Sexton kind of as like a downhill bench guy. Rudy Gay is like, looks like he's five years younger right now. You don't know how long that'll last, but the, the initial framing of the question is like, do we believe – I do believe that this roster, as you look at it, is in that Blazers, Kings, Lakers, play-in type realm if they are kept together and chase a play-in spot. But I also believe... That's a big if. Well, that's, that's the a thing. Huge like, yeah, I also yeah, believe yeah. that why would this jazz organization want that right we we see why the lakers want to be there we see the king why the kings want to even the blazers right trying to save this damian lillard era that is like my biggest question with the jazz but at some point i mean i'm sure the salt lake fan base is fired up if they can kind of keep a little momentum going it's going to be difficult for them to try to part ways with some of these guys yeah and i'm right there with slater watching that team last night uh and just seeing their rotation it's like Markinen, Olenek, Clarkson, Conley, Rudy Gay, uh, Malik Beasley. These are all veteran guys. This isn't like Houston throwing a whole bunch of rookies out there. This is a team with a bunch of players who've played in playoff situations. They've been around. They know how to fit within that system. So uh, I think it was think much. About, think about how much the Lakers would love to have, like their three through ten. Well, but that's what it, and I I think the players are just balling. I'm not saying this is where their heads are at, but if you're Danny Ainge and Justin Zanuck, you know, who run the jazz front office, um, you couldn't ask for a better start because you might've lost a little bit of ground in the Wimpanyana sweepstakes, but you made a, a lot of noise at the start with your guys showing how talented they are. And you have now become, uh, you know, I think you are, you're negotiating from a position of power when it comes to possibly moving these guys on because the Lakers are going to talk to the Jazz. A lot of teams are going to talk to the Jazz. And, and you know, all up and down that roster, you see guys who can help. And, and after, you know, Danny and Justin got an absolute haul for Rudy Gobert, you know, after they did really well in the Mitchell trade, they are now positioned to continue racking up those picks and, and trying to get this rebuild going as fast as possible. Right. And this, the, the thing about this Utah team as well is like, they're not like Orlando or, uh, or, you know, some of these other teams that are rebuilding Houston. You, we can go down a list, Indiana. They don't really have a top 10 pick where they like, we need to get this guy in minutes, right? They, they got Walker Kessler, who was a late first round pick. They got the kid from Kansas. Uh, his name slips my mind. Who was, he was like a late lottery pick. Ochi Akbaji, who's like, Akbaji. Yeah, I liked him coming out of college, but he's like an older lottery pick. He played. They four don't years have in their Cade Cunningham. They don't Jaylen have their Green. Tyrese Halliburton. They don't have that guy. So it's not like we got to sit Olenek so we can play this guy. You know, they have a whole bunch of veteran guys. They just don't have a real all star that, that'll lead the way. But uh, they have a group of guys where they they just feel good about their role players and they understand how to move the ball, how to space the floor. So it's not like they're in a rush to sit these guys down and play somebody else. So uh, I think uh, it's very interesting the way they built that roster. It feels like there's no doubt they're going to make a trade at some point to move some of these guys and get some more young players in there. But the way it's, it's, you know, built right now, I think they're going to continue to play these older guys and see how far they can go. And uh, there are going to be certain nights where they're just going to be tough to match up with because of the way they spread the floor and the way they move the ball. It's also going to be difficult for them, in my opinion, to get down to that, Thunder, uh, you know, realm down, you know, even Houston, because okay, you trade two of these guys, like you still got like six legitimate, like veteran rotation players, like you're right. gonna probably win too many games. I mean, and you're probably gonna be, you know, even if you don't make the play, and like you're probably entering the lottery with like fifth, sixth best odds. No, I agree. And I mean, to use that same Houston comparison you guys mentioned a minute ago, and and shameless plug here, I actually have a, a QA with John Wall coming out tomorrow where he talks about his Rockets experience and how what because they had all those young guys and Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. that it was easier for the Rockets, not for John, but for the Rockets to say to this veteran, like, hey, why don't you just stay home? We're going to try to find a trade. The Jazz, like, you got too many veterans to do that with. That's not the path that you are on. So they are going to win some games. They're, they're not going to be there at the bottom of the standings. Uh, coincidentally, they actually play Houston – in their next two games. So we'll see. I mean, very conceivable. They could be 5-0. and uh, We're going to go the format in this Believe, Don't Believe segment. I think we're going to go, you know, good, bad, good, bad, good, bad type of deal. So to the bad side of things, coming into this season, 
the Philadelphia 76ers had as much as hi- as much hype as anybody. Yeesh. You know what I mean? Saving the Lakers. I thought you were going right to the Lakers. I, I thought, thought he was going to Lakers too. Knows. We got to hit the Lakers at some point. And Fred Katz. That would be the are, close, I feel like. He, he's are, he's are you, closing. You know, <laughs> our, our, our usual dude who's not with us this week, Fred, you know, and Will, you know this, he created a, a Russell Westbrook uh, Lakers swear jar. Yeah, I'm not a, allowed I to got, talk about the Lakers. I got a couple but, yeah. singles in my pocket so I can put hey, in the swear jar because I got some Lakers thoughts to get off. They made it impossible. Possible not to talk about them this week. We'll get to them. But Philly uh, being 0-3, it's a weird one, right? Because they, they were about as acceptable an 0-2 as you could imagine. They lose to Boston by 9 in the opener. Uh, I believe that was in Boston. So, you know, road to, to start the season against the defending Eastern Conference champs. That's excusable. Then they lose a tight game to Milwaukee. You know, widely seen as probably the best team in the East. Uh, but then you go and you drop to the San Antonio Spurs, who the Spurs came so close to being part of this segment. They they finally dropped a game, but they started 0-2. But the Spurs win 114-105. Uh, again, in terms of timing of this pod, uh, we got the Sixers at the Pacers tonight. We don't know what happens there. But Ooh, Philly not looking good. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. If they're 0-4. <laughs> We might need with to the, do an with emergency the Spurs pod. Pacers back to back losses. Right, right. Have you uh, I, have you guys seen the stat that that the internet seems to love to keep? Track I was going to bring this stat up as game well. Game by game, I'm Which sure one? you were. The it's James, James Harden dribb- is dribbling yeah. more than everybody else on the team combined. Yeah, Ooh, TNT wee. put it up in the opener. It was like I'm looking at it now. James Harden had 525 dribbles. The rest of the team had 411 in the opener. There was another one after the second game. Now through three games, it's. Uh, 1,242 dribbles for the rest of the team, 1,507 for James Harden. Um, that's t- It is telling. The, the offense it's has insane. shifted to him. It's insane. I mean, just think about just being in the gym playing pickup, and one guy is dribbling more than everybody else on the court. But the funny thing is when you bring up that stat, and it's like, oh, James Harden back at it again, you know, doing typical James Harden things. When you watch these games, James Harden has been pretty good. I mean, yeah. he's adjusted his yeah. game. He's taking more mid-range jumpers. He's being aggressive. He's getting downhill. He's creating shots. I think the guy that you really got to question at, during his rough start for the Sixers is Joel Embiid, and he was really good in their last game against San Antonio, but I, he just hasn't been the MVP MB that we were expecting to see coming into this season. How and much maybe, of that might be adjusting to playing with this Harden though, right? This right, is Houston yeah. Harden. This is not. Well, the, and we've la- seen yeah. like the quick backdrop training camp, Doc Rivers and that recorded conversation between, you know, he and James about who's going to get fed first. Clearly in that talk, it was going to be Joel, but James pushed back in that conversation. James is pushing back on the floor right now. I think, making it clear that the, the Houston version of James Harden still exists and he wants to be that guy. I, I You know, Fred, I'm sorry. I'm going to drop a Westbrook comparison here. Yet again, we're seeing somebody who, whose pride and, and James's game is at a whole different level, obviously, compared to Russ at this point. But it's a similar thing where guys are, are just so addicted to playing the way they played when they were successful. They have a very hard time getting away from that. So you see James doing that now. And as it's we try to make a little... hard to get away from it, right? I mean, you can't just like be... It is, but it's also it's also like it's an indictment of, and I love some of these dudes, but like the people, the coaches, the executives who let them do it back in the day. You know what I mean? Like Mike D'Antoni leaned into that version of James Harden in a way that I don't know if any coach has ever leaned into one player's talents more ever. I'm I'm, be, I'm talking ever. Yeah, but well, maybe, what does? In in some ways though, what the hell does Mike D'Antoni care about this year's Sixers? What does Sam Presti care about this <laughs> year's Lakers? But that's what I was like, going to say too, because you got to yeah. talk about Daryl Morey, and he's made this roster look more like Houston, bringing right. in PJ Tucker, bringing in right. Daniel House, Tobias Harris is your starting three. He's not a guy who's going to be dribbling a whole bunch. So we can talk about James Harden dribbling too much, but this is a roster that's built for James Harden to dribble and create right. shots. I mean, you yeah, but did say they give did Joel Maxie get the memo? Get more, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't think <laughs> Joel signed up to be on James Harden's team. He thought is James Harden. 24th in defense, and it's hard to connect these dots. They they might not track, but they're 24th in defense. So what do you hear all the time from coaches? Like if you're staring there at a dude dribbling the hell out of the ball, that's going to slow down your motivation and your spirit on the defensive end. You know when they played Milwaukee the other night, Stan Van Gundy on the national telecast was killing Joel when it comes to his transition defense. He's just taking his time to get back. He's falling down all the time, taking his time to get up. Um, that's not a good look. And, 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 you know, we've talked before on the pod about this. It doesn't stop with the, the tension or whatever you want to call it between 
Joel and James because here comes Tyrese Maxey, who's going to need to eat. Here comes Tobias Harris, who I don't think has been happy with his role for a couple of years now. Um, you know, there's there's only one ball, and and they're off to a tough start. But PJ Tucker is just fine standing in that he corner and loving yeah. life with that multi year contract. When he's damn near forty, he's loving life. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So we believe in or not believing that the Sixers are this bad. Well, let me throw it to you. I think ultimately, I think Embiid's going to be better. I think he's going to enforce himself more on both ends. I think the defensive numbers you guys brought up, I think, are going to improve once Embiid starts to get better. Once he gets in better shape, he starts moving around. I I still think they'll be fine. I still don't really believe in a lot of those teams in the East uh, to really jump them. So I think they're going to be okay. Uh, but yeah, they, they need MB to be dominant and again, and and they just need maybe to harden the dribble just a little bit less. <laughs> you know, you can be hard, <laughs> but don't dribble more than everybody else on the team combined. Uh, yeah. That's a compromise. I mean, to you that point, you know, the other night Shaq said on the telecast something I thought was super interesting, and nobody knows better than he does about you know dominating in the post, right? And Shaq made a, a comment in the Philly game about how if he was Joel, he he had a rule when he played. I think he said like three dribbles he's like your wing gets three dri- like three dribbles i'm flashing to the post put my hand up give me the damn ball like enough you know give me give me the thing and with james you know you, you might have 30 dribbles in one possession um i'll go next i don't believe that they're this bad they're gonna figure it out when it comes to the regular season i don't feel as good as i did before about i mean i almost put them in the finals thankfully that was not my prediction um they're gonna be good and you know it'll be really interesting to see the, the uh, Harden and Bead stuff get worked out. A quick shout-out before I throw it to Slater. Our guy, Zach Harper, who does the weekly power rankings, I was impressed with Zach's willingness to just throw the hammer like right out the gate. He took Philly from 6th a week ago down to 16th, so Zach Ooh. is not playing around. Uh, Slater, what are you thinking? Believe or don't believe? I'm I'm uh, I'm a future teller. By the time the listeners are hearing this in their ears, they have blown out the Indiana Pacers, and all seems right. You're really Joel going Embiid out on a limb there. Mm, I'm thinking 38 and 12 tonight. Uh, we need video. We got Slater acting like he's you know he's he's a soothsayer. I only here. want video if Joel Embiid is dominant tonight and they blow out the Pacers. If they lose again. This this needs to be scrapped from the podcast. Yeah. You Listen, look like that dude who charges eight fifty an hour to tell your fortunes. <laughs> Listen, don't doubt the fighting Ben Matherins, okay? Uh, yeah, my guy right? Ben Matherins the out there doing some big Honestly, he does deserve a shout out because he doesn't just look like a good rookie, right? He's been like one of the better players in the NBA. He's uh, getting so buckets out there. Buckets, and he's a happy young fella. I don't know if you guys saw the Pacers put out a cool video, and, and he wrote a piece for Players Tribune about uh, how his mom and his sister. Uh, cooked him some Haitian food for the first time in four years, and and he got some of that home cooking. So he's, I'm sure, feeling good about that and about how he's playing. All right, believe or don't believe, let's go to the good side. Uh, we got the Portland Trailblazers with one Damian Lillard back in action. Slater and I got to see him the other night in Sacramento. I caught up with him a little bit at shoot-around. Uh, Dame talked uh, a lot in our chat about how nice it was to not have that abdominal problem anymore, that it was something that was bothering him for a long time. He got the surgery, but he came back to a different landscape than one the one he had left. And, you know, Chauncey Billups trying to make the offense more equitable, trying to pound defensive principles. It all sounded well and good going into the season, but I was definitely not believing it at that point. They come out and they beat the Kings by seven. They beat the Suns. In overtime, they beat the Lakers by two with a Dame time, huge shot late, uh, and, and some. You, you see the play. moment late against Phoenix too, when Aiton's going to the line to shoot free throws to yes. tie it, and he walks up to Aiton and he said he revealed it post game, but he said something like, "Have you ever been in this situation before, DeAndre?" <laughs> game and on Aiton the line, gave like the worst <laughs> poker face ever. <laughs> yeah. He was like, "You're not bothering me, Dame." When it was clearly like he was trying his hardest to ignore him and stare at the rim, and of course he goes up there and clanks the free throw. Yeah, uh, but, but I mean, it's just really great. Like, can we just say it's really great just to just to see Dame Lillard doing Dame things in the fourth quarter? It's so fun to watch him hitting shots and doing and pointing at the fake watch. On his wrist. Uh, on the it, Lakers, Will. Let's not forget. The same Lakers squad. Hey, hey, where, Sam Amick, you no, need to hold, hold on. No, the, the Lakers are coming squad. later. We're not bringing Look, out the jar yet. We're he hosted. <laughs> he, he getting hosted at LeBron's house as a possible savior to, to have a LeBron, AD, Dame trio two summers ago. Yeah, and, and that didn't come to that. pass. And, and he decided to stay put. And he's back doing his thing. 
But so uh, we were at I'm, the Kings game, and I thought he didn't look good. Right, we were at the opener, and like the, it, it was a really nice win for Portland. Nurkic was bad. They went small. They kind of stunned the Kings late. And I was like, okay, this roster is built more interestingly with Justice Winslow and Jeremy Grant able to play uh, small. Me and Sam were at shoot around watching Gary Payton the second, who looks like he's close. And that's another, you know, small ball. Yeah, athletic, uh, you know, guy you can throw into this kind of rotation combo. But at the time, and this is after the opener, I don't remember what Lillard went, but it was like six of like 16 or something like that. I thought he looked kind of slow on the burst. And I was like, it was something I was like taking note of, like, uh oh. And then boom, boom, he's player of the week. I mean, what did he just go like 41 41 uh, with these late game moments? I mean, yeah, it's it's a good signs for them. And I yeah, think the, also the we got a shout out week. to them for uh, just the way they've built this roster, getting Josh Hart in there, getting Jeremy Grant. I, I think you see them just having more. And the, we talked about the two late game uh, wins they have over the Phoenix and Los Angeles. Those the biggest shots in those game came from Anthony Simons and Jeremy Grant, right? So yep. it's not just Dame hitting these big shots at the end. They got some pieces around and them. Jeremy, where by the way, against the Kings and Slater saw this. Uh, they threw him at De'Aaron Fox and. And it jammed him up late, and that's the kind of defensive versatility that that they were you know hoping for when they while, got while him. Justice Winslow was holding his own against Sabonis, you right. know, and Nurkic was sitting on the bench because I don't think Nurkic is one of their best five right now, but it's it's working. I don't know what you're talking about. I thought Nurk's defense on LeBron late in that game was just amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I just. It's, ahead, it's just fun to see they've built this. It's not Mo Harkless and Aminu standing around watching Dame anymore. They've got some good players. They've got some offensive talent around Dame now where it's not going to be as much on him. Of course, he's going to be the guy with the ball in his hands almost every time down in big moments, but they got some offensive talent around him. Like Slater said, they're going to get GP2 back. He's going to be a big piece for them. So this is going to be a fun squad to watch. I think if Nurk can check uh, Russell Westbrook every night, he might be Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, but... <laughs> There's a dollar. (laughs) Get my dollar out. I'm sorry. We're saving Lakers for last. Uh, We're going to move to the Celtics in a minute here. But for me on the Blazers, uh, I hate doing this because it's all this positivity. I will say I don't believe in terms of them being this good. You know, they're going to chill a little bit. They're going to, you know, regress to the mean and they're going to be in the the hunt for that play-in spot. The one thing – what we can say though is we're we were entering the season looking at them, the Kings, and the Lakers as like you know kind of play two play in spots, three teams. Yeah, they're three and zero. Oh, Kings are zero oh and three. Lakers are zero oh and three, and they have head to head wins over both so far. Both so that's about as good as the first week can go. Indeed, and it should speak volumes uh, about my view on the Kings after the start they had that I decided not to include them in this this entire segment. The zero and three. Sadly for them and their history doesn't shock anybody, but they have not lived up to their hype at all so far. Uh, let's jump to the good side. Or no, I didn't let you all do the believe or don't believe. So I do not believe. Slater, where are you at? I believe that they are m- more of a threat or, you know, than, you know, to secure a playing spot than they were a week ago. I'm not suddenly going like, uh-oh, Prime Lillard is back. They're, they're going mean, to go to another West I those are the parameters, Finals. I'm with you. I think I'm, I'm a believe too. There we go. Yeah, I'm right, I'm right there. I'm a, I'm a believer in Portland as a playing team. I think they're going to be there. And uh, Dame and the playing is always fun, so we can't wait to see that. No, Dame is good for the league for sure. Um, all right, the Boston Celtics go through as much tumult, uh, one of my favorite words, uh, as anybody coming into the season, you know, other than your Warriors Slater. But theirs was, you know, off-court Honestly, I think stuff. They- just because they lost their head coach. I mean, that's probably the worst of it. I know. People compare it. I'm actually glad you mentioned that. I've heard people compare Warriors versus Celtics. And I'm like, listen, I'm sorry for young Jordan Poole that he got popped. But, you know, he he finished practice that day. Life went on. As far as the team. Life not only went on. He signed a $123 million yeah. deal. About right. And I'm not buying fatter to make sure no one thinks is hearing me wrong. I'm not, you know. Equate. I mean, Ime Udoka did what he did, and he's out. But basketball-wise, you lost your head coach. You know what I mean? If the Warriors would have lost Steve Kerr, massive, massive blow. And I know Ime had only been there one year, but he did a tremendous job connecting with that group. And you could make a strong argument, could have been coach of the year for the regular season, did a damn good job all the way through the playoffs. Um, so that was a, a massive loss to to have him you know, out and to see – the way that they have bounced back, and let me grab my notes here, they are coming at you with a 3-0 record, 
built on. Oh man, I dropped the ball. I didn't. They have, have the, the best again. offensive rating in basketball right now. You know, through a week, one hundred twenty-four point three. That's the big thing. Tatum's hot. Brown's hot. When yeah, those Tatum two are a week. Yeah, when they're doing what they're doing. Um, they're they're extremely difficult to beat because you know they're going to defend it at at least a capable level. Well, we mentioned the Philly win, so then just to to give the listeners the whole breakdown, they beat uh, Miami at Miami by seven. Then they take care of Paolo Bancaro's Orlando Magic by six, a little closer than you might have imagined. But they're 3-0, and and they're on their way. Um, and I think number two in Mr. Harper's power rankings, uh, getting through everything that went on before. How do you guys see them? Yeah, I think I probably have Tatum right now as my favorite for MVP. I think he's upped his level after that experience in the finals. You would expect that from a guy like him getting to see what it's like in the biggest and brightest lights going against that experienced Warriors team. And I think you've seen him come and just be a little bit just physically stronger, a little bit more willing to go in there and bang bodies in the paint. Uh, we know he can hit sh- tough shots on a perimeter. So if he's going to take a step up, uh, I think uh, that makes life easier for guys like Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart. Uh, it's not as much stress on them from night to night. Uh, I love the Malcolm Brogdon addition to that bench. Uh, I think he's been a huge piece for them. Uh, Derek White has been really good for them through the first few games. Uh, I think the, the Robert Williams loss probably hasn't affected them as much as we expected. Uh, coming into the year, maybe that maybe it'll come back to bite him eventually because you got Al Horford, you know, still chugging along here at whatever age he is right now. But uh, I think the depth on that team is really impressive, and Jason Tatum is just at a different level right now. And if he can be in those MVP discussions throughout the year, I think you got to consider them, you know, possibly the favorite to win the East once again. Well, and Joe Missoula, it's always tough when you take over uh, as a head coach in this kind of a situation. And again, another good Warriors comp is Slater. It makes me think of, you know, the Luke Walton experience with the Warriors, the Mike Brown experience, where when you have a good team, the the public and the media is not going to give you a ton of credit because it's hard to discern, you know, exactly where your impact has been. But I tell you this much, uh, you damn sure know that if you F it up, you're going to hear about it. And that has not happened. You know what I mean? Joe is a guy that, and I haven't, I don't know Joe. Uh, I haven't been around him all that much. It was noteworthy that when they elevated him to the head coaching position, you know, that he, in terms of the hierarchy of assistants, he jumped a few spots, you know, to take that role. And Brad Stevens obviously had a lot of faith in him. And then you heard a lot about, even though he's on the younger side, early 30s, that like he had a lot of connection with these players, a lot of trust. And he had some dog in him from, you know, his playing days and and an edge that, that they thought would work well. And and so far, so good there too. Yeah, I mean it's but it's so early. And it's like these are the biggest test of a coach isn't when you have a fully healthy, you know, basically built contender that Finals, learned yeah. under Ime Udoka and had this culture of defense and accountability coming into the season that just, yeah, they beat the Sixers, Heat, Magic, cool. Like, what about when they lose players midseason? What about when there's, you know, a Marcus Smart blow up or something in the locker room? And then particularly yep. playoffs, in-series adjustments, you know, figuring out what the other team's doing, thinking up defensive schemes to stop Giannis in this series. And, you know, if you face the Warriors again, dealing with that. So... I think we're still very, as far as believe, don't believe, I think we're still TBD. I mean, we all believe the Celtics are an awesome team. I don't know that I'm like feeling more firm about that than I was. I do. And I think the other part of, oh, go ahead, Sam. No, I was going to say, I got to check my own work here. I had a note that uh, they're 25th in defense right now, which is not very Celtics uh, on brand. And so, Will, why don't you jump in and I'm going to confirm that's the case because that seems awful and and worth worth watching. But uh, what do you think? Yeah, nothing. I think one thing to watch as well is, you know, once we get closer to playoff time, kind of the blueprint that Draymond Green laid, laid out there last year. And he went out and so I forgot what podcast he was on. He, he came out and said it was like, yeah, I came in with the intention of punking Jalen Brown and it worked. <laughs> I got in those guys. I'll head. tell you what podcast that was. Is You might have heard of it. It's called The Draymond Green Show. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. And I think, uh, you know, that's going to be something those guys are going to have to face again this year. And I think that was a big part of what Ime Udoka brought to that team was that just just a tougher mindset being able to last through some of that adversity and not allowing teams to come through there and just kind of push you over it and are they going to be able to handle that uh if some teams try to throw that at them because Draymond showed it worked last year when he was able to to tug on Jalen's shorts and kind of getting all of those guys head and they weren't the same 
after that. And I think that's going to be the blueprint again because you know the talent they have. Now it's about can we get in their heads? Can we kind of push them around and see how they respond? And can Missoula step in and do a lot of the things that Ime did for that team last year to make them just a little bit more mentally tough? Well, I think I shared this story during the finals when we were doing pods, but there was a moment, I forget which game, where Draymond was chirping at everybody and then he started having a few words with Ime on the sideline during a break game in two. the action. Game two. And the cameras, you know, I'm not an expert lip reader, but it wasn't real hard. They're chirping. And then as Draymond walks away, you can catch Ime clear as day calling him the B word. And it was like the type of thing you just don't normally see a head coach do, especially with a dude like Draymond. You know, a lot of coaches in this league would be kind of shrinking violets if Draymond was coming at him. Um, so you're right. I mean, again, we'll see if Missoula can have that impact, but you do hear some similarities in terms of edginess and and kind of attitude and swagger when it comes to, to the way he is wired. Uh, I believe that this is a Celtics team that very well may be back in the finals. And again, the coaching component is something we're going to watch all year. So, so I'm a believer uh, when it comes to the C's. What do you guys say? Yeah, I think it's them in the Bucks, but I thought that before the season. So, right, I don't believe anything stronger than I already did. Yeah, right. I'm a big believer in Boston, and I think the the other top tier teams in the East probably haven't been as impressive as we thought coming into the year. So that just makes life even better for them. So I did confirm: 25th in defense, first in offense. They need to get a little more balance. We all know that. Yeah, you know, top I mean, 10, that's a, you it's know, early. You kinda, it's early. I get it. Yeah, you play a game against the the Magic where you're leading the whole game. It's 126, 120. You float around a little bit. You're never really threatened. How's that Warriors defense looking, by the way, Slater, after they gave up, you know, 200 points to the Warriors? Uh, you Kings tell me you're the one on the stat. I don't even know. <laughs> I just looked at that game last night and I didn't go. But 89 uh, 71 at, half, at halftime. I, <laughs> I saw that. I was like, wait, that was halftime? <laughs> that was halftime. Uh, the Warriors are currently. Good Lord. Where the hell is it? Good thing it's not live radio. Schleck might have to edit this part out. Uh, they're there. They're fifteenth, fifteenth yeah. in defensive well, rating. League average, you would say. Um, yeah. La- let's do Lakers because I only got ten minutes, and I feel like you need Slater your Slater got a roll. We Sam. got ten minutes on the swear jar Lakers and let's, Russell Westbrook. Get our dollar you know, bills I, out. Yeah, my gosh, I don't know where to begin. Um, you know, I, I mean, you can't script it any worse than that shot on the right side late against Portland. You just really can't. You know, and I understand. Up one, 30 seconds to go, 18 on the clock, possible two for one. I get it, but if you had a list of 450 players that you would want shooting that shot, um, Russ actually – and I'm not even trying to be smart-ass podcast guy. I mean, you guys know. Like, I've covered Russ. I've enjoyed him on a, on a personal level, to be honest, last couple of years more than earlier than that when he was tougher. Like, it's nothing personal, but but he's he might be last on that list. Well, be, um, be honest. I mean, if, if it's the Pelicans, this is like Jonas Valachunas, like taking an 18-footer in that situation. No, Why, the would, Pelicans would never want that. If it's I was going to say – That's Draymond Green taking that shot, basically. Yeah, that's a I was going to say, would you rather Russell Westbrook taking that shot or Mason Plumlee with the lefty taking that shot? <laughs> I that mean, he hit like, it the other day. He was bringing <laughs> – maybe, maybe Mason Plumlee. Yeah. And, and then, you know, and the thing that it's just – it's predictable – but it's unfortunate, and I love you know these two guys. Also, I enjoyed covering Jamal Crawford, Isaiah Thomas on social media today. Not coming square at the media, but just kind of like talking about how oh, it's easy to pick on Russ. Russ is taking all the blame. It's like guys, this is not one of those times when you have the basketball IQ that we can't touch, and you see something we don't see. This is not complicated stuff. Darvin Ham clearly doesn't feel comfortable, or at least to this point, has not felt comfortable de-emphasizing Russ because of the impact it might have on that relationship in the locker room. Uh, Lo and behold, he does bench him late, and he does talk pretty candidly after the game about the fact that he doesn't have time for anybody's feelings uh, in terms of when they think that they should be in the game. They're trying to win out here. So I think we might have had a a bit of a shift of the tides when it comes to that. But Lakers at large are a pretty stunning 0-3. They lose to Golden State, the Clippers, and Portland. The last one is the one – Obviously, more inexcusable, especially at home. Uh, before I throw it to y'all, some just crazy, you know, this won't surprise you, but I got a lot more stats on the Lakers than any other team. 30th in offense. Um, they're second in defense, so they are defending. The, the one that boggles the mind is you, you don't have shooting, and feel free to check me, guys, if I'm just reading this wrong, but you don't have shooting, but next thing you know, you are chucking that thing 
at, at an incredible level. Um, gosh darn, I can't find the numbers right here. I think they've taken are, 118 threes through three games. Is that correct? Yeah, you why don't you guys stall for me while I find the number because I I, I want to throw this at you. But yeah, but, but I, I'm just getting back to the angle. Russell topic. I think a lot of these people coming out and saying, "Oh, you guys don't understand. Y'all are being too critical of Russ." All you gotta do is watch the game. When you're watching the game, these teams are leaving Russell wide open. They're leaving him by himself at the three point line. And it's it's one thing if like teams we've seen this before with guys like Tony Allen or Draymond Green, where teams will say, "Hey, we're our best way of getting stops is leaving this guy." But those guys. When you talk about a Draymond Green or a Tony Allen, they find other ways to make an impact, whether it's crashing in for offensive boards, doing dribble handoffs to take advantage of teams leaving them. Russ is just kind of standing out there and just allowing teams to take advantage of him. And it's just poison for this, this Lakers offense. It's just uh it's just a toxic environment. And I say this often as well. Watching the Lakers, I think it's worse for them in home games. I think when they play at home, the negativity around the Russell Westbrook situation, it, it dominates a lot what goes on with them in fourth quarters. And I think you see that so much. So I just think uh, the whole Russell thing is just really, really bad. And I, and I think anybody saying that the, the media is doing too much, uh, it, it's just it's just not true. When you watch these games and they're just leaving a guy wide open on the perimeter, it's bad for a team that already doesn't have shooting. Yeah, and I mean, last night it was Nurkic guarding Russ, which was obviously very intentional. Chauncey Billups talked about that post game. So they are 30th in three-point percentage. Uh, guys, 21.2%. This, the 29th team, Chicago, just take a, take a guess at percentage. So the Lakers are 21-2. What do you think the second worst team is, even ballpark? 30, 31, something like that? 29 and a half. I mean, there's an 8% gap, damn near 9%, from 30 to 29. And in light of that, or even in spite of that, I guess, the Lakers are seventh in the league in three-point attempts. That's the part that I do find a little puzzling. They're shooting five more threes a game this year than they did last year. Um you know, and and I mean the numbers are just atrocious. You know, Russ is coming in at uh, let's see, he's twenty eight point nine overall. Uh, he's coming at a at a cool eight point three percent from beyond the arc. That, that will go up, by the way. Even if they're a horrible three point shooting team, they'll end the season in like thirty one, thirty two, right? That's always like thirtieth in the league. So there's some, you know, I guess a progression to the mean, whatever. But generally, yeah, I mean they have the worst offense in basketball right now, ninety seven point two rating. Um, and nobody's even close. 103 is the next closest rating. They have the second best defensive rating in basketball in the first week, and they're 0 right. 3. That says right. plenty. I'm getting out of here. You two can finish. Will, it was great to see you. Oh, it was <laughs> great to see you, my Slater's man. out. He doesn't want to, to be part of the swear jar. Um, yeah, <laughs> but Will, it's it's ugly from any, any angle you look at it. And I'm going to throw a few more at you real quick. So LeBron, I mean, we know he's getting older, right? And what do guys do as incredible as he is? And I do kind of love the Nike commercials they've been doing about Father Time with him and Jason Momoa, you know, playing up the whole his getting old type thing. But when guys get old, they don't want to attack the rim as much. So he's coming in at a career high nine three attempts uh, per game right now, uh, but he's only shooting 25.9%. So even LeBron, who's playing fairly well, is, is you know, is shooting-wise part of the problem. Um, they need to be working the phones and I know they don't want to give up those two first rounders, but they, they need to find a deal. They got to find something to give them a, an above average shooter. Pat Beverly comes in here, you know, he's not shooting all that much, but he hasn't been able to hit a bucket. Kendrick Nunn's not even playing that much. Um, uh, you yeah, know, he's had some shot. moments. Yeah. Can't make a shot. It's, it's brutal to watch. Um, you know, I don't think it's going to get any better as far as believe or, or don't believe, man, I feel like the question quickly has become like could they miss the play-in you know I mean that seems pretty conceivable at this point what do you think yeah and I know uh people down here in New Orleans are thrilled to watch what's going on (laughs) in LA because they own the pick swap rights with the Lakers so they're like yeah just keep on chucking those threes Russ that they're loving it but like I said before man I just think even like y'all are right that this can't be as bad as it's going to be the whole season you can't shoot 21 percent from three for an entire season that's uh that's just insane but even if it does improve I still think 
the environment these guys are in with Russell is just toxic. I think it's poison for that team. Uh, just the way the conversation around that team is, uh, the negativity around that team when they play at home, the way they constantly have to answer, answer questions about Russell. You saw last night, LeBron was like, listen, I know y'all are trying to get me to talk about Russell. I'm not yep. going to talk about Russell. So it is right. what it is. And I mean, it's not going to get any better as the season goes along. It's going to continue to be like that. So I just think they have to make a move at some point. I don't know what you can get for Russ. I don't know. Even if you do give up those two first round picks, like, like as they say, they go ahead and make the Indiana pick. I mean, the Indiana trade, they bring in Buddy Hill and Miles Turner. Do we think that make that team that much better? Do we think no, that guarantees a them a playing team. spot? And that, so you're giving up two more first round picks to hope you can be a playing team? I, I don't think if you're Rob Palinka, that's your goal. If you got LeBron James and Anthony Davis, it's to, to trade away picks seven years down the road so you can be a playing team. You know what I mean? I couldn't agree more. And I don't think they're going to do that deal anytime soon because I think, you know, from Jeannie Buss on down, they are looking at their future and you're looking at LeBron and asking yourself how much longer, you know, is he going to be a part of this? And on the back side of that, do you want to come out with no first rounders in 27, 29? And like you said, the Pelicans just dominate the Lakers draft from here until then, basically. So uh, I believe that they are a bad team and I don't think that's going to change unless they have major roster overhaul. I couldn't agree with you more, Will, about the, uh, the, the vibes and the dynamics. And I've seen some of that stuff, up close and personal recently. So uh, I'm not sure how much money I owe Fred Katz on the Lakers Westbrook swear jar after this segment, but uh, it was a good thing for us. He's got his best friend, Pat Beverly there to support him through it all. So (laughs) at least that friendship, nothing's going to break up that friendship between those two guys. We know that closest dudes on the team. And and luckily for Fred Katz, who we keep, you know, poking fun out here. I think the Knicks have the number one net rating in the league, even though they're one and one Uh, that is small sample size theater. This is Will Guillory. Thank you for jumping on my friend. It's great to see you. Um, here's to hoping to a long Pelicans playoff run only selfishly so that you and I can connect on the road one of these days man I, oh, I get to go I out and it. have fun with Slater and, and, and all these other guys whose teams uh, are, are going deep into these playoffs but one of these days we'll be out there together Absolutely, man. You know, I always love seeing you on the road, man. I'm looking forward to it and looking forward to seeing more Toucan Sam there in your background. <laughs> so, uh, impressive. You picked up the reference. Nice. Yeah. So yeah. let's, let's just hope, uh, I can just remove some of these names from the injury report and get back to watching some good basketball in New Orleans. It was fun while it lasted for two whole games. They still got buzz, man. They, they got buzz. All right. Well, appreciate you, man. We'll see you down the road. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. <laughs>